Hello and welcome to Live Full. My name is Joey Schwartz, and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. In this episode, we're beginning a series on one of the most controversial and misunderstood spiritual gifts, the gift of tongues. I want to show you why the gift is beautiful because of the one who gives it. That's where we're going. Let's get started. Well, as we begin a new year, I want to thank those of you who left a review right at the end of the year. It is so deeply encouraging to me to read those because what I'm seeing is that God is doing something. He's doing something by his spirit and for his glory. He's leading his people into the fullness of Christ by diligently studying the word of God and earnestly desiring the power of God. This is so much bigger than our ministry and our podcast. It is from him and to him and through him. So if you have not left a review yet and you've been following along and God's been moving, would you take a minute to leave a review just as a testimony of what Jesus has been doing in your life. Glory to God. And as we go into a new year, I pray that God would multiply these stories for the good of the church and the glory of his name. Thank you for all that you're doing to share this podcast. By far, my favorite part of this podcast is hearing about individuals being changed by Jesus. Let's dive into the content. And to do that, I want to talk about the gift of tongues. I'm guessing that as soon as you read that word tongues on the title of this episode and decided to tap or click, there was an automatic connotation for you that rose to the surface of your mind. What did you think of when you saw that title, The Giver of Tongues? Perhaps what came to mind is a certain kind of Christian or a certain denomination. You thought of Pentecostals, the Church of God, or a prominent televangelist who speaks in tongues to his millions of listeners. You thought of a friend, maybe, who is more, quote-unquote, spiritual than you, who prays in tongues. Or maybe what came to your mind is the burden of your own experience, At some point in your walk with Jesus, when you were a child or when you were at youth camp or in college, you had an experience that felt something like the gift of tongues, but you weren't sure what to do with it, and so it faded. Or you were practicing it for a while or watching others practice it, and then you got burned by a leader who claimed to speak in tongues. And so you decided that the gift must not be so good after all. For you, the thought of entering back into the things of the Spirit makes you hesitant and afraid. Or it could be that what comes to your mind is a spark that God is starting to grow in your heart. You long for more in your prayer life, more intimacy with God, more joy in your faith, more of the fullness of Christ. And you're starting to sense that God might want to use the gift of tongues to bring you into his fullness. But you're not sure what to do with this little ember of desire. You're worried that if you bring it up to a friend, They might snuff it out by telling you that you're out of your mind. Or you might be listening to this because you recently received the gift of tongues. You've experienced the power of the Spirit in prayer like never before, and your joy in Jesus is through the roof. But for some reason, there's still a shadow of shame connected with this spiritual gift. And when you think about it, you feel like you're drifting from sound Christianity into some kind of charismatic chaos. 
What's the connotation that you connect to the gift of tongues? Is it fear, hesitation, discomfort, criticism, judgment, uncertainty, fullness, excitement, delight, joy? Why does the gift of tongues prompt such extreme and polarized reactions? Because we've forgotten the primary connotation that ought to be connected to the gift of tongues. Christ himself. Jesus. When you think about the gift of tongues, do you think about Jesus? I'm talking about the Jesus who was born in a manger. The Jesus who turned water into wine. The Jesus who healed Peter's mom, who stopped the woman's bleeding, who raised the little girl from the dead. I'm talking about the Jesus who walked on water, who was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, who broke bread past the cup and wrapped a towel around his waist to wash dirty feet. The Jesus who was slaughtered on Calvary Hill, who burst out of the tomb with newness of life, who ascended to heaven's throne with a promise to come again. I'm talking about the Jesus we love tender and bold, merciful and just, kind and powerful, gracious and truthful. Have you actually stopped to consider this? That when this Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he decided that his very first act as heaven's king would be to fill his disciples with the Spirit and empower them to speak in tongues. When he promised his disciples in Acts 1-5 before ascending to the Father, quote, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, he already knew that their waiting would be met with overflowing power to extol God in other languages. Jesus decided it, and Jesus delivered it in perfect accord with the Father. The very hands of Jesus that were pierced for your sake sent the Spirit with the sign of tongues. If you can't see the goodness of tongues, it's probably because you've disconnected the gift from the good shepherd who gives it. I want to invite you to see that the heart behind the gift of tongues is the very heart of Jesus. Just as gifts of healing point to his compassion and the gift of service points to his humility and the gift of evangelism points to his love for the lost, the gift of tongues is a window into the heart of the Lord we love. For just a minute, let's consider why. The gift of tongues shows Jesus' mercy. Just as Jesus healed the mute man in Matthew 9 verses 32 through 34, loosing his tongue, giving him the ability to speak. So Jesus comes to us in our prayerlessness, in our struggle with speaking to God. And instead of rebuking us, he gives us the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The gift of tongues also shows Jesus's power. As Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, his disciples were falling asleep. Their sinful nature was pulling them out of alert, fervent prayer into the lull of apathy. But Jesus had a plan. 
by entering the tomb and coming out on the third day, he ensured that his disciples could have the resurrection power of the Spirit fueling their prayer life. Through the Spirit, their willing spirit could overcome their weak flesh, paving the way to a life of ceaseless prayer. Just as Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 10, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The gift of tongues shows Jesus' love. Why would Jesus give his people a private prayer language? Why would he make a way for them to keep the flame of prayer burning and bypass their distracted mind? Why would he manifest the mighty wind of the Spirit with words that he forms through our lips? Why would he do this? Well, it's for the same reason that he turned aside from the crowds to love the two blind beggars who cried out for healing in Matthew 9, 27. It's for the same reason that he knew Zacchaeus' name and invited himself over for dinner in Luke 19. It's for the same reason that he was stripped and flogged and slaughtered for us, even though he could have called it off at any moment with a legion of angels. Why does he give the gift of tongues? Because his love is that extravagant and that specific. What a savior we have The gift of tongues shows Jesus's mission. It's no coincidence that the apostle who carried the gospel to the ends of the ancient world told the Corinthians that he prayed in tongues more than any of them in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 18. The more Paul prayed in tongues, the more he was filled with the spirit who empowered him to testify to Jesus to those who had never heard. The more Paul prayed in tongues, the more he was filled with the spirit who gave him the gut-wrenching compassion for the nations that drove Jesus from heaven's throne. The more Paul prayed in tongues, the more he was filled with the spirit who was reversing the confusing dispersion of Babel to bring clear communication and heavenly reconciliation between God and man. Hallelujah. Can't you see it? Jesus is all over the gift of tongues. We dare not believe that any denomination or any ministry or any spiritual friend is the rightful owner of this precious present. No, out of the abundance of his generous heart, Jesus pours out the gift of tongues on dry and thirsty hearts. Whenever there is a godly biblical practice of speaking in tongues, The world may scoff, but Jesus smiles. The world may say those who pray in tongues are filled with new wine, but Jesus knows we're walking in the promise of the new covenant. The world may call it weird, but Jesus calls it very good. So how about you? Are you weirded out by the gift of tongues? Here's my ask of you. Stick with us through this series and see how this gift is really only as weird as the Savior who gave it. And he was hated and rejected by the world he came to save. Are you afraid of the gift of tongues? Stick with us and see how the gift is actually meant to cast out fear as you are immersed in the perfect love of God through his Spirit. Are you sitting in shame around the gift of tongues that you possess? Stick with us and see how God called you to fan the gift into flame with freedom until the Holy Spirit becomes an uncontainable wildfire bursting through your life. 
So here's where we're going. Over the course of this series, we're going to do our best to tackle all of the major questions surrounding the gift of tongues. Do all born-again believers receive the gift of tongues? How do we seek the gift of tongues? What do Paul's restrictions in 1 Corinthians 14 mean for us? Is there ever a time where we should speak in tongues in public? How do we interpret the gift of tongues? We're heading toward all of these questions. We're going there, and we have several episodes to do it. But I don't want to start there. It seems to me that every time the gift of tongues is discussed— We start by putting on the boxing gloves of apologetic defense and expositional argument. And these have their place. But if the gift of tongues comes from the giver, our precious and wonderful Lord of life, shouldn't we start off by celebrating the goodness of the gift he's given? We dishonor Jesus when we're so busy dissecting his gift that we fail to glorify him by delighting in his generosity. So I want to start there in the next episode. John Piper says that the heart of preaching is expository exaltation. I love that. And I love John Piper. Only he can come up with that. So instead of starting an argument, I want to exult. Instead of dissecting tongues under a microscope, I want to examine and pronounce the beauty of the gift like an overjoyed diamond hunter who finds a flawless gem. That's where we're going in the next episode. We're going to be focusing first, before we get into all these questions, I want to celebrate the goodness of tongues. Why should you even want this gift from God? Now, one more word as we dive into this series. I want to make a few commitments to you that will ensure this teaching is profitable to you and pleasing to God. The first commitment is we will be ruthlessly biblical as we explore the definition, nature, guidelines, and practice of the gift of tongues. Wherever there is a biblical prescription laid out, it will be backed up by biblical evidence. And whenever I need to step out of the realm where scripture is clear, in order to give counsel that should be tested by the scriptures, I'm going to make that distinction so that it's clear. There's a reason why debate around this gift has split missions, societies, and denominations. We need to get our convictions from the biblical text itself and let Jesus tell us what the gift is and how it ought to be practiced. And as one who holds this gift to be extremely precious for God's church, I believe that there is not one dot or iota of scripture that we need to hide from in our practice of tongues. When every dot and iota informs our practice, we get the maximum joy out of the gift. That's my first commitment. The second is, I'm going to refrain from insider language around the gift of tongues in order to make the teaching helpful for people from different stages of life and denominations. What do I mean? Many believers are held back from leaning into the gift of tongues because whenever they've seen it talked about or practiced, It's tied to insider jargon and customs that push them away. They think, I can't see myself soaking in the spirit or dancing with flags, so I'm probably not the kind of Christian who would speak in tongues. So I'm going to do my best to use biblical language to describe biblical concepts and a biblical gift so that all believers who are listening can hear the biblical call into the fullness of the spirit. 
Now, don't get me wrong. If you love soaking in the spirit, if you love dancing to worship music, I believe we need more abiding. Some might say soaking in the presence of Jesus. And we definitely need more Davidic dancing in the church. But I also believe that love compels us to make our language clear for the sake of our brothers and sisters. And then the soaking and dancing can come later. Number three, the third commitment I want to make to you as a part of this teaching, I'm going to share with you my own experience and potentially others experience around the gift of tongues. Now, my experience is not authoritative, but it is important. It's important for you to hear how the Holy Spirit is still doing this today and how God has used this gift in particular to fan and flame my prayer life. Well, I know, hear me on this, I know plenty of believers who don't speak in tongues and passionately love Jesus. I've also witnessed how the Holy Spirit changes lives with this precious gift. And I want to show you that it's not just something he did back then, it's something he's doing today. And besides that, I just can't help but speak of what I've seen and heard. Jesus has been so extravagant in his generosity with this gift in my life, and I have to proclaim how good he is. When I received the gift of tongues, I thought that I was the only one in my whole community who was walking in that gift. But within months, I discovered that there were plenty of people around me who had been walking in it, but they just never mentioned it. There are many believers who have decided to keep private the fact that they have a private prayer language. And while I respect that decision, and I also want to be careful to let believers operate within their own conscience, I also believe that in most cases, keeping the gift of tongues secret only perpetuates the notion that it's something shameful to hide. We don't hide the gift of teaching the gift of administration, the gift of service, or the gift of leadership. Why then would we hide the gift of tongues? The only answer I can think of is that the gift of tongues is the gift that is socially unacceptable in a church influenced by Western rationalism. Some might think it's best to not talk about the practice of tongues because it makes you susceptible to pride. But ironically, this makes it seem like the gift of tongues is only for the spiritual elite who have done something to earn it. No, the gift of tongues is a gift bought by Christ, given by grace and grace alone. Every single moment for me, when God empowers me to pray in tongues, I'm put back in a place of worshipful remembrance. I'm reminded that the only way the Holy Spirit could possibly abide in me is through my Savior's cleansing blood poured out on me through faith. Consider this. Perhaps this is why so many Christians think that the Spirit is dormant. Because those who have had experiences of His power today have kept their stories in the dark. We need to bring the gift of tongues into the light. Just like Jesus did at Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago. Because there's nothing to be ashamed of. The gift is from the God of light. And I believe that if we will do this with the kind of desperation that marked the disciples in the upper room, we can see the same world-changing power today. Believers who are falling asleep in the garden can become spirit-filled, bold proclaimers of Jesus. Now, to close this brief introduction to a series in which we're going to explore a gift from God that is literally beyond our mental capacities, I think it's best to humble ourselves, you and I, before our holy God. 
And I want to read Paul's pronouncement in Romans 11, 33 through 36. Listen to this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Our next episode is all about the goodness of tongues. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Full, where our mission is to help followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. You can find articles, devotionals, resources, and podcast notes at caradox.com. And to stay updated on everything we release, sign up for our Three Things Thursday newsletter at caradox.com slash three things. Thanks to Charlie King for creating the music for this podcast. Thanks to our Caradox partners at Patreon for making this ministry possible. All of our listeners, thank you. This show exists for you. So thank you for listening and reviewing and spreading the word. Until next time, give your all to know and love and experience the fullness of Jesus. Because life to the full is life in Christ.